0: Episode 5 – The Iron MAGA Triangle of Populist Economic Nationalism Hi, this is Peter Navarro, and welcome to Episode 5 of this Taking Back Trump's America special documentary miniseries entitled MAGA and the Red Wave That Never Was. In the last episode, I explained how three seismic events – NAFTA, Communist China's entry into the World Trade Organization – and the elimination of the military draft circa the Vietnam War gave birth to the modern MAGA movement and an iron triangle of policies aimed at achieving MAGA goals. In this episode, the penultimate of this series, we are going to work our way through the three legs of this iron MAGA triangle with the broader goal of understanding just what makes MAGA tick. This documentary miniseries is sponsored by Peter Navarro's best-selling book, Taking Back Trump's America, available today on Amazon. Taking Back Trump's America has become both the blueprint and battle cry for the modern MAGA movement and our MAGA mission to return Donald John Trump to the White House in the 2024 election. Please buy Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon and support Trump, Trumpism and the Modern MAGA Movement. All right, Peter Navarro here, and let's get down now to our analysis of the Iron MAGA Triangle of Populist Economic Nationalism. The first leg of this MAGA Triangle is to strengthen American manufacturing. In Trump land, this can be done through policies like hefty tariffs on China and buy American, hire American government procurement. It is our blue-collar manufacturing workers, many of whom are in the blue-wall states, that benefit most from these policies. Think here of mostly men with generally no more than a high school education. For these deplorables men, a job in an American factory may be their only real opportunity to earn a decent wage and raise a family behind that proverbial white picket fence. Lose that manufacturing job to a Mexican maquilladora or a Chinese sweatshop, and you may well lose your wife. You most certainly will lose your home, and you may well take your own life through alcoholism, drug abuse, depression, or a hot shot of Chinese fentanyl. Indeed, take that manufacturing job away, and it's a long bump down on the wage scale, to the next best opportunity for a male factory worker without a college degree. It is a sharp and deeply uncomfortable descent for these men into a world where women are significantly less likely to marry them and where more children will be born out of wedlock, children who, in turn, will have a higher statistical probability of growing up in poverty and perpetuating the cycle. I vividly remember the time I circulated a memo about these so-called socioeconomic impacts of unfair trade within the White House in September of 2017. Some globalist inside that White House perimeter who wanted to stick a knife in me promptly leaked the confidential memo to Damian Paletta at the Washington Post. But the half-wit leaker unwittingly did me a favor. Paletta and The Post included one of my charts in their hit piece, a beauty of a chart, if I do say so myself. This chart illustrated socioeconomic impacts ranging from higher abortion rates, lower fertility rates, increased single-parent households, lower marriage rates, and increased spousal abuse to rising mortality rates, higher incarceration rates, and increased homelessness. So yes, I took about 24 hours of incoming rounds from all manner of fake news journalists who thought how silly it was for me to make such claims. Yet, several days later, after I worked the phones a bit, there was a grudging admission out there in media land that I was spot on. There was sound academic research to substantiate every single claim in my chart and it was research not from the University of Podunk but from Harvard and MIT and prime-grade think tanks like the National Bureau of Economic Research. Now here is one last key point. When a factory worker loses his or her job, this kind of job loss is like a stone dropped in the middle of an economic pond. It sets in motion a wide range of ripple effects that can take down the entire community. Here's how one of my great American manufacturing heroes, Richard McCormick, describes the black holes that are created by bad trade deals. Richard, by the way, did this particular riff in one take right off the top of his head when I filmed him for my Death by China movie in Washington, D.C. It's an absolute thing of MAGA beauty says McCormick, with eyes ablaze. So when a large company decides to move its production offshore and it closes a factory in a city or a town in the United States, that basically, leaves, it's, it's like a black hole. Suddenly that factory just disappears and everything else goes down with it. People who are supplying that plant with materials, equipment, maintenance services, even the accounting firms, design firms, R&D firms, and then all the other services around it, like restaurants, what happens to them? They're doomed. They go down with it. They can't follow that company offshore to Shanghai. And by the way, there is no purer patriot or more knowledgeable analyst of American manufacturing than the esteemed Richard McCormick, who served admirably at the Department of Commerce during my White House years. As for the second leg of the populist economic nationalist mega triangle, it is that of secure borders. In the Trump administration, This meant first and foremost building a smart and impregnable wall on our southern border. Does the chant, build that wall, build that wall, ring a bell? Here are some key facts worth noting. Historically, over 90% of illegal aliens crossing our southern border have come from Mexico and the three countries of the so-called Northern Triangle, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. Over 50% of these illegal aliens have less than an 8th grade education and only 25% are proficient in the English language. It follows that many of these poorly educated, English illiterate, illegal aliens will compete in the very same labor markets as America's working poor and blue-collar working classes. The inevitable results are fewer job opportunities, and lower wages for working-class Americans. America's low-income Blacks and Hispanics don't need PhDs in economics to understand these labor market pressures. At a visceral level, they understand that open borders are bad for them and secure borders will improve their lives. It's not for nothing that in the 2020 election, Donald Trump significantly outperformed his 2016 vote totals in both the black and Hispanic communities. And this was a pure mega populist economic nationalist response. This excerpt from a New York Times post-election analysis says it all. Quote, the Rio Grande Valley shifted decisively towards Mr. Trump as heavily Hispanic areas along the border with Mexico delivered enough votes to help cancel the impact of white voters in urban and suburban areas. Starr, a rural border county, had the biggest shift. Hillary Clinton won the county by 60 percentage points in 2016. Joseph R. Biden Jr. won it by a mere five. Let's turn now to the third policy leg of the populist economic nationalist MAGA triangle. This is the deplorables yearning for an end to America's endless wars. These wars are waged sometimes covertly and sometimes out in the shock and awe open. They are wars fought in far-off hellholes that stretch from the Hindu Kush of Afghanistan and the Persian Gulf to the deserts of Iraq and the Horn of Africa. Mostly, they are wars that have been fought for so long that many Americans, particularly the elites far from the battle lines, have forgotten why these wars were started to begin with. From the populist point of view, these endless wars are propagated by warmongers like Bush and Cheney. They are perpetuated by weaklings trying to look strong like Obama and Biden. They are not moral and necessary wars like World Wars I and II, rather, they are futile and pernicious plowshares into swords wars that have drained trillions of dollars from the American economy to the benefit of a military-industrial complex and at the expense of modernizing our infrastructure, improving our schools, and lowering our taxes. Just imagine what America would be like right now if that blood had not been spilled and those trillions of dollars of American treasure had not been squandered. Are you listening, George Bush, Dick Cheney, John Bolton, Paul Wolfowitz, Max Boot, Bill Kristol, and the ghosts of Don Rumsfeld and John McCain. It is this kind of rebellious question that undergirds the third leg of populist economic nationalism. It is this very same type of question that undergirds deplorable support for Donald J. Trump and militates for the prompt withdrawal of American troops from foreign lands, from Libya, Somalia, and Syria to Baghdad and Kabul. Taken together, these three legs of the populist economic nationalist triangle, a rebirth of American manufacturing stemming the tide of illegal immigration and the halting of our endless wars, almost perfectly define the Trump deplorable base. It's a very different kind of rainbow coalition base that brings together working-class Americans of all colors who seek a good job at a decent wage and an end to being sacrificial lambs in America's globalist offshore adventures and foreign war adventures. No one understood this Trump deplorable base and how best to appeal to it than Stephen K. Bannon in August of 2016. That's when he took over the reins of a Trump campaign heading for an almost certain stinging defeat. With the clarity and relentlessness of George Patton's Third Army marching across Europe to take down the Third Reich, Steve Bannon helped Donald Trump drive the themes of populist economic nationalism like Patton's Sherman tanks to rumble through and knock down the Democrats' blue-wall states. Yet with that 2016 victory, Bannon would last barely six months, and I would be left largely alone in the White House to fight the good populist economic nationalist MAGA fight. Not surprisingly, over time, a large coterie of globalist elites within the Trump inner circle would continually try to push President Trump further and further away from his populist economic nationalist roots. By the time 2020 rolled around, far too many of President Trump's advisors and the Trump campaign had forgotten how important pushing MAGA policies like tariffs and Buy American Hire American were to mobilizing and rallying our deplorables troops and MAGA base. And that was the challenge I faced in the White House as I tried to push forward a wide range of Bannonite and MAGA actions in the months leading up to the November 3rd, 2020 election. We must not let that happen again in 2024. We must run on a MAGA platform, and to do so successfully, we who constitute the Trump base need the people of America to understand that all we seek is a return to Trump's America. This is a land where our southern borders are secure, our workers and factories are protected, and our young men and women are not sent off to unnecessary endless wars to leave their limbs or lives behind and their families bereft of everything but their memories. Well, that's it for this fifth edition of MAGA and the Red Wave That Never Was. In the final episode of this special Taking Back Trump's America documentary series, I will discuss some of the more important nuances of the MAGA movement and then lay out for you the final blueprint and action plan for Taking Back Trump's America and the White House in 2025. For now, I'm Peter Navarro, and thanks for listening. Taking Back Trump's America, available on Amazon today. Look around, but tell me what you see. Every day, more people in the street, too bad, they send our jobs away, in China, they're not workers, they're just slaves, when people wake, it's a world of trade and greed, the CEOs get richer and our jobs all move offshore